All right, we are live and rolling back on the Run Fast podcast, coming off our most recent episode with Zach Litoff of San Francisco, California. We're super stoked for this one. We have our actually our first professional athlete to hop on the podcast. We have Henry Wynn of Brooks Beast out of Seattle, Washington, formerly of the University of Virginia Track and Field Cross Country, class of 2018. I'm your host, Evan. I'm Miles. And yeah, we're super stoked for this. Really excited to hear what Henry has to say. Here's some of his stories and experiences. Um, without further ado, let's um let's jump right into it. Give Henry the floor to kind of introduce himself and give any remarks before we sort of pop in with the questions. Cool. Uh, well, I'm glad to be here with you guys. I didn't realize I was, I was the first pro, so that's uh cool. Hopefully, you get some more on. But um yeah, I'm Henry Wynn. I, as you guys said, went to Virginia. Uh, there, I was NCAA champion, ACC champion, all that good stuff. Uh, was lucky enough to sign with Brooks, the Brooks Beasts, coming out of college in 2017. Uh, have been running since then um right now ranked top 50 in the world with 351 mile pr uh you know just trying to get better every year and make these teams uh it's really competitive in the u.s but it's been an awesome experience something about our podcast is the majority of our audience is familiar with the northeast side of running mostly the prep scene and so can you take us through your time in the connecticut running system um who are some main com- competitors that you were up against and what are some characteristics that you would give Northeast cross country um, and how does that differentiate to other regions in the country? Yeah, I got to, you know, I, I respect Northeast running. I think we're slept on up there. Honestly, there's a lot of good guys that come out of uh, the Northeast, uh, go to college, run well. So, I mean, my time there was very competitive in Connecticut. You know, I came up as a young kid. Um, I never really thought I was going to do track to be honest. I started it as I was playing lacrosse and I had to stay in shape. And so my coach had given me the option to either lift weights or run cross country. And for some reason, running cross country sounded easier for me at the time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got my start and wound up, you know, being good. I mean, my freshman year, I still played lacrosse. I, uh, you know, thought that was kind of like where I was going to end up. But sophomore year, I ended up PRing in the 800 and like the four by eight relay, like running 155 and kind of realizing that you know, maybe track is my event. And I showed up to the cross practice uh, sophomore year and they kicked me off the team because my coaches were friends. So kind of forced my hand there. So, uh, you know, obviously it worked out for the best. Um, my time in Connecticut was awesome. That was, you know, there's good competitors. I, I remember my first big race. I'll, you know, doubt he's listening because I don't know if he's uh, into track too much anymore. We're kind of old now, but Alex Levine, I remember from Danbury, um, beating him in one of our conference races. And like, he was the big guy in Connecticut at the time. And I was like, Oh shit! Like, that's a that's a big name to take down. So, I, you know, I had a lot of good competitors back then. Like, we'd always push each other. Um, luckily, I got to go to a lot of good big invites, like the Adidas Grand Prix. I got to go to nationals, so we'd be able to showcase like you know our relays and race the rest of the guys in the country. Um, but no, Connecticut's awesome. I mean, I like the Northeast for cross country, and then obviously the New England Championships is always like a super fun opportunity for all the states to get together and just like duke it out so yeah i had a great great high school experience yeah honestly very fitting that you went to staples and i mean being that westport's a big lacrosse town especially on the east coast they just won the state championship which is pretty hilarious um given that we're talking about staples right now but can you share some of those best memories at staples high school any of those memorable experiences that kind of shaped your time there or is that sort of far off in your mind I mean, you know, I can always think back. It was a great time. Uh, I was actually just talking to my high school coach, Laddie Lawrence. Uh, he's still there. He's been, he started the program when he was in high school and he's been coaching for fi- over 50 years now. So he's a, a legend in the Northeast and he's in like the high school coaching hall of fame, all that kind of stuff. So I was really uh, grateful to be able to learn from him. And we had a really good team at the time I was there. Our four by eight relay ended up running like 739, getting third in the nation. So we had good guys on the squad, and actually at the New York Grand Prix last weekend, a bunch of the guys from the Staples team came out to watch. So, you know, we, we're still close. And, I mean, what I really remember from my time there, you know, there's a few races. Like, I mean, when we won the DMR, that was a crazy experience. Uh, one of my teammates was, like, throwing up afterwards, and he wasn't even watching the race. And we got pulled into the interview room, and he's like, why are we in here? And my coach is like, you guys won. He's like, what the hell? He's, like, so shocked. So that was a cool uh, – that was a funny story. But – Overall, like my my biggest memories are just training with the guys. Uh, you know, I think the coolest part about being in high school is just having like a huge team. Uh, it, it's a fun experience, and I think a lesson to take for any high school people, you know, kids listening, is like 
just enjoy that experience because you know running can get pretty intense in college and it can get even more intense as a pro and so my best memories are just having fun with my teammates and you know not uh obsessing too much over the actual track itself would you say that during your high school career there was a specific race or breakout moment uh that gave you the realization that you could run at the collegiate or even professional level i think yeah i think that came my sophomore year you know i was um like I said, I was doing the cross. I was having a good time. Like freshman year, I had done some good races. I won like JV FCAC or conference, but I didn't really think much of it. Like it was, you know, it was a cool experience. It wasn't varsity or anything like that. So I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't like, oh, this is going to be my next uh, calling. But like I said, sophomore year, I started racing the 800 or I was racing the 800 a lot. And I think it was like around state championship time. I dipped under two minutes for the first time. And that was like all of these, uh, you know, those breakthrough races, like they're always the barriers. You got your two minutes in high school, probably, you know, nowadays four minutes in high school, kids are running fast. But back <laughs> in my day, nobody really did that. Um, but that was one where I was like, okay, I can compete with some of the top guys. And then as I talked about a little bit earlier, when I did the four by eight, uh, it was actually at the New England championships. And I finished up, I, I think I got the baton in like eighth place and I brought us up to third. And one of my teammates was on the sideline yelling like, he was just kept yelling 155 and I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about. And then I realized that was my split. I was like, holy, like that was the big breakthrough. So from then on out, I was kind of locked in on track and, you know, found myself being a pro today, which is crazy to think back. I never saw this coming. And obviously you just touched on your coach who's been there for 50 years, which is quite impressive. Um, but when you can reflect on that question of those guys, who were those guiding figures or early mentors in your running career, do any, does, does anyone else sort of come to mind? I think, well, he was probably the biggest influence just because, you know, he, like, he's been coaching for 50 years. He's seen everybody. He's had national champions. Like, you know, I was, I was one of, you know, his best athletes that he's had, but at, like, it was cool to be able to go to these big races and he's kind of been there, done that before. Like he's had people win the States. He's had people win New England. So he always had like, I remember on our bus rides to States, he would stand up and he would like tell us a story of some badass from Staples like 20 years ago. And so that always got us pumped up. Um, another big influence at the time was, uh, my, my assistant coach, Malcolm, he was a graduate of Staples, came back, he trained with us and he would like help us out a lot. And he was always like a super big supporter still is. I still talk to him. Uh, so, you know, just having those people in your corner who believe in you, um, it's, it's a huge deal. And obviously all of my older teammates, like I latched onto them when I was like a freshman, I was running with the seniors and all that kind of stuff. And just like learning lessons from them and building confidence, being like, all right, if I can stick with this guy, then, you know, I, uh, I can race with them too. And like, then that's kind of how the big breakthroughs happen. And it goes without saying, we have to touch on the USATF New York Grand Prix that just occurred. And can you sort of take us through that race and your preparation going into that weekend and that 1500, given that there were so many big names like Sam Parsons, Drew Hunter, Craig Engels, and even that there was a pacer um, given to sort of enforce that fast, that fast pace. And so take us through your preparation, your mentality coming up the line, any tactics you sort of wanted to um, sort of use in that race. Yeah, that one, uh, I would say it was a decent race overall, honestly. We've been, so as of recording right now, we got USAs in like 10 days. So that was more of a race where I was getting prepared for USAs. The week before I'd been in altitude camp and I was hitting like really high mileage. So I came in a little bit tired. Um, a lot of the times, like as pros, like, you know, our season doesn't really start until USAs and beyond. So all the races up until then are like a bit of a buildup. It's, yeah, it's a crazy to think about because everybody else is done for the year and like I'll be racing until hopefully September. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long build and a lot of the races we do earlier in the season, you're trying kind of training through them, you're hitting high mileage and you're just building strength. So this one was kind of like that. It was more of a preparation race, but obviously I was very happy with the outcome. Um, uh, you'll go into every race, you want to win it. But this one, I can kind of break it down. Like off the line, I was in the first position. I got boxed in a little bit, got spit to the back. Uh, wasn't very happy about that. Found myself like way back. People in front of me had to move. So one of the things I talk about is like, or one of the things my teammate has recently talked about, Waleed Suleiman. He's like, in races, just think to yourself, don't freak out no matter what's happening. So I got spit to the back. I was kind of in a bad position. I just kept thinking to myself, like, all right, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Like, you don't want to make any drastic moves. You don't want to, like, waste too much energy. Really, like, most races come down to who's wasted the least amount of energy to get to the finish line. Like, you can go to a U.S. championship 
and I've done this in the past, so I can speak on it. And you'll run in lane two, and you're really running like maybe 15, 20 extra meters. So you got to be that many seconds, however, whatever that equates to. That's almost two seconds faster than everybody else to win. So if you can be right on the rail, you can waste the least amount of energy. You'll be able to, you know, close well and hopefully do well in the race. So that's what I was thinking mid-race. Um, the pacer dropped off. I kind of started getting back up with everybody, up with the leaders. Uh, and with 300 to go, Drew Hunter made a move. And I was just like, all right, this is the time. So I went with him, uh, got around him at about like 150 and was closing like a, I thought like a freight train. Honestly, I had the fastest last 300. So that was exciting, um, but just couldn't catch the guys because, like I said, I didn't give myself a very good position. So it was another, you know, that was always a lesson to be learned, even as a pro. Like, I've done this a million times at this point, but uh, going into USA, I just know that I have to be up with the leaders and give myself a clear line to the finish line if I want a chance to make Budapest this year. Yeah, and would you say that the sort of the humidity and the sheer heat out in New York City kind of played an impact or a factor during that race? It was crazy. Like, I... You know, I respect the East Coast because people get tough out there in that humidity during the summer. Like I've been coming from Albuquerque where it was like 95 degrees. So we were used to the heat, but the humidity is like a whole different factor. So, you know, you got everybody feels the same thing in a race. Some people might be a little more adapted to it, but I don't think it really played too much of a difference. It's just uh, maybe it made the race overall a little bit slower. But, you know, for the most part, you can bank on the fact that your competitors are feeling uh, the exact same thing as you. So, you know, you, you discussed being split to the back of the pack, being boxed in on the rail with 300 to go, but you still managed to get absolutely moving. You know, so my question is, how do you find the mental discipline to, you know, get going with 200 to go or whatever, like to find that kick, um, even even when you don't start the race in an ideal manner? Yeah, I mean, I guess the good thing is you uh, you never know how good the race is until you finish it, so... Yeah. You could sit in the back and be like, you know, oh, no, I messed up the start of the race. But, like, I have always thought to myself, like, finish as hard as you can, like, no matter what race it is. Like, I've I've had races, like, I remember my sophomore year at NCAAs, I was dead last in my heat by about, like, 20 meters. I just felt like shit. And I still cl- closed as hard as I could. So I just tried to build that mentality in, like, every race I've ever been in. Like, don't ever drop out. Always finish off the race hard. Like, give it an honest effort. Like, for me, I mean, I travel to all these races, so it's you know worth giving it my all until the finish line. For high schoolers, it's like it's kind of just building that mentality where it's like I'm gonna get to the finish line, I'm gonna give it my all. Like it might not be the best race, but I'm never gonna give up mentally. Excellent, yeah. And so, I mean, with that, we're gonna move on to UVA and farther along in your career. But before we get into all that good stuff, we're gonna move to an ad break real quick. Awesome. Yeah. And so we are back with Henry Wynn of Brooks Beast out of Seattle, Washington, hoping to dive into the University of Virginia and his experience within that program. And I mean, first things first, take us through your recruitment process and how you ultimately landed on UVA as your university of choice, even before you had stepped foot on campus as a student. Yeah, the uh, college recruitment process was pretty cool. Um, you know, you get five official visits and the schools fly you in. So you get, I went to uh, UVA, obviously ended up there, Duke, Michigan and UPenn. And what I was kind of looking for is like my college, or sorry, my high school team was super close. So I was looking for a college team that seemed like that, that we could all work well together. Um, I knew that the team was really good because I had guys from Connecticut, like Connor Rogg, who was like a legendary runner in Connecticut. Uh, he's a, he was a year older than me and he had gone there. So I was like, all right, that guy's amazing. The guy, Mike Marcella, who ended up being one of my best friends, like he won it, uh, New England's in cross country. So I knew his name. He was a beast. I was like, okay. So they got good guys to train with. They got good guys to, to race with. So um, I know I went to all these colleges and I just more or less thought to myself, like, how does the team seem like they're interacting? Do they seem like they're friends? Do they seem like they work well together? Because at the end of the day, you do have to train with these people every single day for multiple hours. You have to be around them. Uh, if you don't want to show up to practice or you're not having a good time, it just makes life miserable. So um, the deciding factor was just like hanging out with the guys. I just had an amazing time. We were laughing, having a great time the, uh, throughout the whole trip. Uh, coach Pete Watson, I knew was a successful coach in Virginia itself was just an amazing school. So it was honestly a pretty um, easy decision for me. I had more visits left afterwards and I didn't even want to go on them, but my mom made me at the time because she's like, you got to respect them for wanting to fly you out. So I was like, all right, I'll do them, but I'm all set. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't regret my decision at all. I had a great time. And obviously 
turned out well running wise. So I'm happy with that. How would you describe that transition from high school to college on all fronts? You know, being a Division one athlete on top of being a college student. You know, how would you describe the you know the jump in that in that balance of work? I so I was like one of the only guys from my high school to go D1 uh, in like my four years there. So I didn't really have anybody to tell me what it was like necessarily. I kind of went into it blind. You know, high school running is at the time at Connecticut, I was you know, winning races like school itself wasn't too hard, like all that kind of stuff. You're, you got your parents there cooking you dinner. You got all this stuff like um College running was like next level. It was insane. I got there. I was the worst guy on the team. I was getting my ass kicked every single day. I remember my first like 10 mile run. We were going like 530 pace by the end. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to show up to practice tomorrow. Like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I hadn't run over 12 miles ever in my life until I got to college. And like, we started doing that a lot and long runs and fast runs and workouts and put on like school on top of that, trying to adjust. It was pretty crazy. So I've always told like, people who are thinking about going D1, especially it's just like, it's going to be hard, but it's definitely worth it. Like you, you just need to know it's pretty much a full-time job in the best sense of the, like the word, like being a collegiate runner, collegiate athlete in general is just awesome. Like you get great resources, you get to race the best people in the nation. Um, you know, school can be hard. Grades can slip every once in a while, but you just got to buckle down and study, uh, do that kind of stuff. Well, definitely help me with my time management. Cause you know, I was, uh, I, I can't say I was the best student of all time in high school, but <laughs> I had to clean up my act a bit when I got to college. Um, but the coolest part was like, like, like I said, being the worst guy in my team, like I wanted to go to a program where I was just getting like worked and practice every single day. Cause I wanted to be able to improve. Um, and in college, like every single race that you do is like, it's pretty much a national championship in high school. And it's kind of the same way as a pro, like every single race I do is better than like an NCAA championship. So it just, you step up that level of competition. It really like, it can bring the best out of you, which is awesome. I mean, if we're talking about improvement here, you went on to be the 2016 indoor mile champion um, for that indoor season. And so can you take us through that race and exactly what that meant to you after winning? Yeah, that was, that was a crazy weekend. Honestly, I went in, um, you know, I'm one of these guys, like, I don't care about running slow early in the season. Like I'm putting the work in and by a championship season, like that's when you'll see my best performances. So I barely squeaked in then still blaze that year. Like, I think I ran 358, whatever, 0.6. And I was, I might've been even the last guy in and I went there and, you know, as the last guy, I got to say, I was pretty cocky. Like I was talking to my coach and my coach was talking to me before I was like, I'm going to win this. Like, this is my, like, I'm winning this. And I don't think anybody would have called that, but I had just, you know, been putting in consistent performances. I'd run well at ACCs. I was just feeling very confident. So I went in with that mentality, um, made it, you know, got into the final. And the race was kind of like, you know, it's a championship style race. I found myself in the front. I led like the entire way. Jonah Coach came around my shoulder with like 600 and we just started battling from there. I think we closed in like 151 or 152 or something like that. And, yeah, I, uh, it wasn't necessarily the way I would have written it up on paper, but you know, you find yourself in a race and you just have to be fluid with it. So that was amazing. I mean, you could, there's photos of it online and there's videos. Like, I think I was in like shock when I crossed the line and first I was like, I can't believe that just happened. Like, obviously I was confident going in, but actually getting it done was, uh, undescribable. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was watching that race back actually in preparation, didn't doing some research for this podcast and given the fact that you'd actually led probably a thousand plus meters of that race, I was extremely surprised that you still had the room in the legs for the kick with 600 out to go, given that you had led so much, but it was an electric race to say the least. And anyone who's listening, I'd encourage to watch that back because it's truly a remarkable kind of example of leading from the front and also getting it done strategically. Yeah, I was, uh, I was tired for sure. When somebody came around my shoulder, I was like, that was like the go time moment. I was like, Oh shit, I got to get going now or else like the rest of the field's coming. So uh, you know, luckily I had in the legs, the training was good. And I think I, you know, I had a, the, the, if you see the finish, I had my hands up in the air. I'm like celebrating. And I don't realize at the time I didn't realize how close everybody was behind me. There's like, I think <laughs> those Sam Preco was like one step behind me. So <laughs> I was just saying, I'm glad he didn't get me at the end there. So when you reflect on that race now today, um, how would you describe like the significance that, that, that win holds in your career? And also like, how would you describe the significance of that win 
as your career was unfolding at that time? Yeah, I think, well, at the time, it just gave me the confidence to know that I could compete with anybody in the NCAA. Like, it didn't really matter. Like, it was a good lesson to know, like, it doesn't matter, like, what the times are going in. It doesn't matter what the rankings are. Like, you got to perform on the day. Um, so that was like a, a great example for me. And it just gave me a lot of confidence the rest of the season. I ended up, like, PRing one of the, running one of the best times in the nation later that year, got third outdoors in, like, a crazy race, um, made, like, the Olympic trials and all that kind of stuff. So, it really had kind of snowballed my career. And I think that race specifically is probably the reason why I'm a professional because my coach, Danny Mackey, like he is always trying to recruit people who we see, like, you know, maybe not the best time in the nation, maybe not like too many like NCAA titles or whatnot, but he wants to recruit people who like know how to win. And so I think he saw like that race. I, got, I went to the front, I closed well, and it was like, a, you know, a sign of what I could become. I mean, obviously, there were the highs of that journey at UVA, being that you were an NCAA indoor mile champion, multiple-time All-American, multiple-time All-NCAA selection, multiple-time All-ACC selection. But what were those lows and what were those obstacles you kind of had to overcome during your career at UVA? Uh, I think the big ones were just, like, getting used to how hard it was to be a, a collegiate athlete. Like, my freshman year, I wanted to transfer. Like, I wasn't seeing as much improvement as I thought I should, uh, you know, Looking back on it, definitely just because of the way I was living my life, I wasn't like fully locked in. I wasn't getting my like rest and all that kind of stuff. But at the time, I was like, "Oh, it's my coach's fault." Like, but in reality, it was my fault. So I don't know. I wanted to, you know, I thought I was going to transfer. I wanted to do this and that. Like, I was just unhappy, like not improving as much as I wanted to. And it was really just because it was such a massive like change. And like sometimes it takes a it takes a little while to, you know, get the fruits of your labor. And so I didn't win that NCAA title until my junior year. I had improved my sophomore year, but it was like, you just have to stay healthy and stay consistent. So I think that was probably my biggest struggle was just, you know, living the full-time athlete life, trying to go to school, not fail out, do, you know, get my grades up, all that kind of stuff um, all at the same time. How would you describe Coach Watson during your time as a Cavalier? Um, what was, you know, what were some of his emphases and then also overall just what was it like being in his system yeah his so his emphasis he was like a big uh, strength-based coach and I think one of the best things he ever actually told me was like he brought me and my friend Mike in and we were kind of like complaining about training because there was like there was a big transition the year before we got there the coaches changed so there were some people who like had a different coach who was more of like a speed-based guy Watson was more of a strength-based so there was all like a lot of talk of like oh I don't know if this is the best and he was like he, he gave me the lesson that like there's a lot of different ways to get to the same place like you can be speed based you can be strength based but you just have to listen to like your coach pretty much so he had a vision that kind of got me locked in uh we did a lot of like strength based stuff so it's tough because you know you could get injured that way uh, a lot you know people on the team did get injured they did get burned out but i found that if i you know could make it to the championship season feeling healthy like I was confident enough that there was nobody else out there that could like compete with me. So I think there's probably a lot of people who have that confidence, but at the time I was just like, all right, I've done all the work. I've done all the mileage. Like we did a lot of cross country stuff. Um, obviously had some speed, but he was certainly uh, strength based. And so it was definitely a grind in my freshman, sophomore year. I just had to tuck in, get behind like the older guys and you know, grind it out for a little while. Uh, eventually I got used to it. And you know, like I said, built that strength up and it was uh, paid off in a big way. I mean, that's actually a perfect segue to what I was about to ask you um, about mentors and sort of guiding leaders and figures on the UVA team. And so who were those teammates or mentors at UVA who had sort of the biggest impact on your running career when you, especially you were an up and coming guy in the program, kind of in the back of the pack towards workouts and kind of getting dogged in the mileage runs. Who are those people you kind of looked up to? Yeah, I had like you know a few friends. Like I've mentioned, Mike Marcello. He was like a couple. He was a year older than me. He was miler. Uh, just one of my best friends at the time. We worked together all the time. Uh, a few guys like you know, one of my ended up being one of my roommates, Kyle King. He was a few years older than me. Um, he was a dog. He just was able to push super hard. Like he's so he's so strong, ACC champion, all that kind of stuff. Uh, always looked up to him. Uh, another guy, Zach Harriet. He was like doing the craziest distance work ever and so these guys like were people i looked up to and i tried to hang with as much as i could and, like there was you know they're my friends as well but they're also people that were my inspirations when i was training because i would see them do crazy workouts and then run fast and i just wanted to be like them so 
I tucked in with them. I mean, I hung out with them outside the practice. I pretty much just tried to become them. I was like, <laughs> I got to do exactly what these guys are doing because uh, they had the right mindset and they were just all together great athletes. And um, I think it's always good if like you go to a new program or if you're going into college to kind of find those mentors. Um, you know, you don't necessarily need to hang around them 24-7 and annoy them, but just kind of see what they're doing, see what works and build your own style a little bit. What were some of the qualities or traits that these mentors had that you you tried to replicate or embody um, as you stepped into their shoes as an upperclassman on the UVA team, um, being a leader for the young guys? Yeah, I liked, uh, well, one of the things I like that they do is just leading by example. You know, these are all guys who they tell you what to do, but they're also doing it themselves. So it's not like somebody not living the life. They're actually getting it done. Um, just toughness, like the, the mental toughness side of it. Like I said, we're doing a lot of like strength workouts. And so we're doing 14 mile tempos and things like that. And they're just like pressing at the front. They're going hard. Like they always have that extra gear at the end. They're just like, you know, they're kind of, they're badass guys. And so I, I really like that. And I wanted to be that guy when I was older, I, I wanted to be like one of the leaders on the team, but I wanted to show it by my example. Um, so that's definitely what I looked up to the most about them is that they just live the lifestyle. And I mean, it goes without saying, like UVA has become one of the few mid-distance powerhouses in the NCAA over the course of recent history, um, especially with guys like Nathan Mountain and the Steeplechase. And then you have Connor Murphy, who is also doing a variety of events for you for the team this year. Um, historically, what team culture or what team president has been established or put in place um, amongst the team to kind of establish this sort of mid-distance dynasty over the course of different eras of the team? I think, you know, when I was there, there was a big transition, but we, like, the team, my freshman year, you know, it was all right. We had good guys. We had some, like, really good performers, but overall, we weren't, like, qualifying for NCAAs or anything like that. And by the time my senior year rolled around uh, in outdoor track, we got third overall as a team in NCAAs. So I think the shift was just, like, people, you know, taking examples of the guys like I was talking about. And that was across the entire team because in, uh, you know, college track, you have jumpers, you have throwers, you have obviously sprinters and all that kind of stuff. So I think the big thing that happened was like everybody became very close. Like I was great friends with the throwers and the jumpers and the sprinters. And we kind of built this like family together where we're all working hard and then we know like we don't want to let anybody else down. So that motivated everybody to perform better. And I think when you have uh great performances it kind of the, the high tide rises raises all boats so you have people wanting to be like the people that they're seeing winning in civilians they want to emulate them and like you know, I, you know obviously we talked about me winning in civilians running some good mile times and all that kind of stuff there was great performers in the throws like we had a guy named philip maholovich he was the outdoor discus and shot put champion for civilian so he was an absolute beast he completely like raised the tide for everybody else like it just these examples and then you know that helps you get recruits the good recruits help you get more good recruits they run well and it's just a cycle so i think it's a snowball effect of just performances and uh good leaders and i mean with the addition of guys like gary martin and james donahue to the squad where do you see the future of uva distance going and what's kind of next if you've been following the guys and following college running this far I think I see it going up. We have, uh, you know, Vin Lanana took over the program and he's built some amazing teams with Stanford, Oregon. Uh, so I was really excited to see him become the coach there because uh, I just know he has a big, or, uh, you know, his dream is to build the program up to being like a powerhouse and he's done it before. Um, he's great with like alumni. He brings us back to talk to people like he reaches out. I talk to him and meets all the time. So I think that's a huge thing, like him being the coach, uh, him having a vision for this, the team. And then obviously the guys, uh, they're performing well. Connor Murphy did a great job at NCAAs and the steeplechase guys, they crushed it. So like I said, just those performances are going to motivate people. Um, they're going to go back to school or they're going to have guys come in like, you know, obviously Gary Martin, one of the best guys in the country, him going there is going to convince other younger guys to go there. And I just see, you know, people uh, kind of, being drawn into Virginia and it's just going to continue making it a better and better program. I mean, yeah, during his senior year at Belmont Hill, James Donahue was kind of just in a class of his own at our championship meet for our league. I mean, he just took it out and just tore it up running like 149 meet record, like league record, everything that could have possibly been a record that was set was definitely set by James. And so, I mean, 
goes without saying he's going to be a beast in college and he's already broken four um, at UVA. But moving on to Brooks Beasts and kind of starting from the beginning point of this next segment of your career, what ultimately led you to join the Brooks Beasts after your college career? And did you have other professional offers? And what about the team drew you to ultimately sign that contract and join the team? Yep. Uh, yeah, I, as I said earlier, like when I was in high school, even when I was in college, I never really thought that I was going to be a pro runner. Um, it was, you know, I looked up to people um, who were pro runners. Obviously, I was like a big Robbie Andrews fan from Virginia, uh, Nick Simmons, because I was an 800 guy. He was like one of my heroes when I was growing up. Um, but I never saw myself doing that. I remember literally watching like Prefontaine Classic and seeing people run how fast they were. And I was like, there's no way I can ever do that. And now it's like guys that I've raced before. So it's like, it's crazy how that happens. But um, after college, I, I, you know, I got injured my senior year, which was pretty rough on me. But I luckily have you know, Danny Mackey as a head coach and he has a vision like he can see even if you're injured he can see your talent um and he so he recruited me out of college i had a few other uh places i was looking at but ultimately went to the brooks beach just because of danny uh of the team they had and the culture they were building so i know i've been on the team for six years now it's crazy to say um and we've just continued to improve which has been amazing i mean we started off you know people were struggling to to make u.s championships now that's like the standard you better be making u.s championships like this we're trying to get our standard to where you're making world championships you know we get guys like josh kerr who medal at the olympics we have drew window medals at indoor championship world indoor championships and just like obviously the uh level of the program has improved and it's uh been an amazing journey to be on with everybody a little talk with the nike group in australia that was pretty exciting um just didn't really want to move that far away from home. They just had an amazing 1500 meter group there. Um, so there's just some talks and that kind of stuff there. But like I said, I was injured. So I would say like, I didn't get quite as many offers as I might have if I'd come out as a junior just after winning in siblings. Um, so that's what I really appreciated with Danny is that he, you know, he saw that, you know, it wasn't my best year ever, but he had seen my performances and like, he took a shot on me. Um, so the big thing with him was like, I got to come out to Seattle. I got to talk to him a lot. He was very um, like locked in on the process. And then when I got out here, the team, it just, again, like kind of how my college team was, it felt like an actual team. Like there's professionals who don't really meet with the, the people on their team. Like they kind of train by themselves and they travel around, do this kind of stuff. And, and we literally practice together every single day. We're all friends. Uh, it's just awesome because you know, it is a family. And you, like I said about uh, the college track, it's like you got to show up to practice every day and work with these people. So it makes it a lot easier and more enjoyable when you actually like who they are. I mean, yeah, your response just then kind of led me perfectly to my next question in a sense that um, I was going to ask you to describe the dynamics of training with a professional team compared to a college team. And obviously you have high obligations and a big responsibility to both teams, given that in college you're going to be doing school but you also have a big big responsibility for running as your second or even first priority um, as opposed to being professional and that that is your job and you have to go to work but what is similar or what have you had to adjust to ultimately now that you're a professional it's interesting like as a pro this is literally the only thing i do all day i, I train i obviously go get treatment i do like the little things well uh, in college you have you, know, you have school you have other obligations um so it's it's a weird transition where it's like but it's awesome because you get to put all of your focus into running. So you can really like get the best out of your performances. You make sure you're recovering the best, make sure like, you don't really have any excuses. So it's uh it's good in that regard, but it can also be stressful because you kind of uh, your whole life revolves around running. So if you're not careful, you can drive yourself crazy a little bit. Um, so it's important obviously to have things to do outside and just hobbies and hang out with friends and like take it easy. It's not just like, you know, you don't want to just be hyper-focused constantly. Um, but the dynamic is cool because you are a professional like Danny and I are collaborating on stuff like he's in college. Your coach is kind of your boss. I mean, Danny's kind of my boss here, too, but we like talk way more. We're kind of collaborative on workouts. He like trusts me um, on how I'm feeling. So like we'll switch things up or we'll change paces like uh, you're definitely just more uh, bought into your career because at this point, it's how you make money. Um, it's how you you know, whatever, get put food on the table to be dramatic, but uh, everything you do kind of affects you in a very um, obvious way. 
So moving on to the actual racing side of things, um, what has been your most memorable race since joining the Beasts? And what has been like a professional moment that reassured you that you could compete with, you know, the best of the best at the highest level there is in running? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I've had quite a few memorable races. Being a pro is awesome because you get to go in front of huge stadiums, like huge crowds. Like I had like a few races overseas where there's like, you know, one big one in general or yeah, there was like one in Germany. It was like 40,000 people in the stands. It was crazy. Like it was the biggest crowd I've ever run in front of. And that was just like, that made, made me feel like a real professional. I'm like, oh God, this is like, this is legit. Like um, that was when I was younger as well. So it just got me really excited to go over there and race because there's an amazing um, running scene in Europe. But, uh, you know, setting the world record in the four by mile with my team, that was an amazing experience. Like just having a world record to my name is a crazy thing to say um personally for me like running 351 in the mile like i you know i always wanted to run that fast i want to run faster now but like at the time my pr was 355 and so when i just locked in on that race i was confident i went for it and like i came off the bend with 50 meters to go and i saw like a time on the clock that i'd never seen before i was like that's a 340 i was like that there's no way and when i finished i saw the result that i was like mind-blowing for me and that that one really gave me a lot of confidence to know that i could compete with anybody um like running 334 uh in 2021 that was a big one where it's just like all right these are times where you're qualifying for worlds like you're you're able to compete in many of these big races and i think there's like more breakthroughs uh on the horizon yeah could you give us that bu mile race breakdown I'd be eager to hear how that 351 came to life and sort of seeing the skill and strategy that went into that. Yeah, that was a crazy one. Like, obviously, everybody talks about BU. It's the crazy fast track. And in my opinion, I think just people go there with the um, with the intent to run fast. So you go in, you're ready to run fast. And a lot of times people do. So that one, we had Yomif Kajalja up front. He was going for the world record. Uh, we had, you know, me, Johnny, Gregoric, Prakel, that was the top three Americans. And so the thing was like, you have somebody running 347 in the mile to chase down and the pay, we had good pacers and all that kind of stuff. So I knew this was an amazing opportunity and I just got on the pace and it was one of the more painful races I've had, I would have to say. And at like 1100 meters, I was literally thinking to myself like, all right, I can just drop out right now. Like, this is terrible. I, like it was hurting, but I made like the decision to just push through that wall and ended up being rewarded for it. Closed well and ran 3:51. Had a few guys in front of me to try to chase down, so it was just the perfect opportunity to run fast. Can you share some of the key lessons that you've learned while being uh, under contract with Brooks? Yeah, I think some key lessons. Honestly, just one of the big ones is just consistency in training. Um, you know, we don't do anything crazy like we our workouts aren't like all out we i mean i have some hard workouts obviously but a lot of the times we're doing things that are fairly uh manageable but the goal is to be able to do that week in and week out for years on end so that's how you really become you know the best you can be is like it's not about one great performance it's not about one great workout it's really just about consistently nailing it um so that's a big one that i've taken away from it and just like competing as a pro uh it's just next level it's just very hard like i learned a lot of stuff from my teammates like especially josh kerr being one of the best guys in the world just his mindset is locked in um and just he really has taught me what it takes if you want to you know be one of the best it's been it's been great to learn from him yeah and i'm not entirely sure if you guys have to keep this on the dl or not but could you share some of those key workouts or maybe you have like a big workout that is designed to kind of indicate fitness before a championship meet or is there a big workout that you guys sort of are mentally preparing for every season honestly we switch it up we don't really have like a key workout where like we will do the same one every single year um i mean coach mackie's training danny he does a lot of stuff that's like a lactic threshold kind of stuff where you know you we hear that all the time with people and like you know Jakob Ingebrigtsen does that stuff like everybody's always talking about it we don't use the monitors we just like go off of how we feel but like his training is trying to push that threshold further and then obviously building your speed up so like i said a lot of stuff uh on paper doesn't sound that flashy the splits are pretty manageable every once in a while you might run a fast split or a hard workout but um yeah a lot of the times it's just about getting the work done recovering going to the weight room doing all like the you know 
we do med ball drills, we do core, we do weights, we do all that kind of stuff. And so putting all that together is how you, you know, really run fast. Yeah. I would like to say that like, you know, my favorite workouts are the ones that are fast and go back quickly, but I'm very, I think I'm very good at like the longer stuff as well. Like just from building up with Watson back in the day and just getting good at tempo. So I don't know, there's a special feeling when you do like a really good, like nine mile tempo and you're flowing. Um, so, you know, I, I got to say, I probably like those, which is a weird answer because I don't think anybody like would say that they love long tempos, but it's nice when you're working with the guys and you're just kind of getting to a rhythm. Um, and, you know, Josh and I this year were training for the half marathon in December and we both ran, I think you ran like 63 or ran 65 minutes. And as weird as it might be for a miler to like that, that was one of the most fun races because we were just kind of like rolling. You got people to work with, like it was a new experience. And so... I, I I definitely like the long stuff. Yeah, and so how would you describe that relationship with Coach Mackey, and what is that coach to athlete relationship as a professional? It's it's a great relationship. You know, we collab a lot. Where we're talking through uh, workouts, like he writes everything. He gives us our workouts a week in advance, so you kind of know what's coming. Um, and then on the day, it's really just if you're feeling good, you hit what you're, you're doing you maybe go a little bit faster you talk to him if you're feeling bad like you adjust it or maybe you just do exactly what you wrote down if uh everything's going going well um but it's a good relationship because as at this point you know i'm 28 years old so i'm an adult and like he doesn't have to hold your hands like maybe we <laughs> I had to get my hand held a little more in like high school and then people in college like you know I'm sure there's people on your team that you know who like skip a workout or skip a run and do that kind of stuff. Like as a professional, that's not really an option. So <laughs> he's not checking in on us. He's not like, oh, did you do your recovery run today? It's like uh, all that little stuff is taken care of. And so it's it's a cool relationship because we're just like working on the big things together. And he's uh, just making sure we're prepared. And he's great at getting us ready at the uh, right time, which is cool. Yeah, and so moving on to sort of the more business-oriented aspect of this partnership with Brooks, how would you describe the brand's sort of collaboration with the Brooks Beast Track Club, and how has the brand been supportive of the team? And as, as a professional athlete, do you have any influence within the Brooks sphere of business to like do product design or help with development or maybe design kits and racing shoes and whatnot? Yeah, Brooks is an amazing sponsor. They're, the cool thing is, so we're in Seattle. I'm in Seattle right now. The headquarters is in, in Seattle, like 10 minutes from my house, so... Every day we go in there for lunch. We have a gym in there. Like we get to meet the employees. Like uh, it's it seems very collaborative. Like bigger companies, you might not know who's making the shoes. Like we know exactly who's making them. We talk to them. They come to our practices. They film us. They ask us like about designs. Like even I think it was like a month ago there was a shoe and it was kind of like cutting me in a spot. And so I texted one of the shoe designers and he was in Vietnam and just like had them change the design to make sure that it didn't like you know cause that friction anymore so it's very collaborative and like the spikes that we're working on are amazing like you know there there's obviously bigger brands that people wear their their gear but i think it'd be worth giving brooks a, a chance just because you know it's designed by us like obviously they're doing the math the math the science they're doing actually going to vietnam and doing that kind of stuff but we wear every single iteration we give them feedback every single time they take what we say into account so we're really like building the best gear that we can uh, for what we're doing. And so it's a pretty amazing experience, like being part of that, knowing everybody in the office, like we know the CEO, he says hi to us when we're at lunch. Like it's a, it seems like a very close knit community, which is cool. And now, now we have as our head of sports marketing, Garrett Heath, he used to be on the team. And so he knows exactly like what the team needs, what we want. And he's a great voice for us in corporate to make sure we're getting what we need and just being supported. And on the scale of different running brands in the market, Brooks is obviously a smaller player in this sort of um, sector of running brands and running shoes, so to speak. And so, I mean, you have brands like Nike and Adidas putting out the Dragonfly, which is one of the most recognizable track spikes out there. You have the Audios Pro line, which is an insane line of racing shoes that Adidas has been putting out. But how do you think Brooks will try to remain competitive in the future as running technology and the shoes that brands are putting out get become more and more advanced and the technology begins to evolve more and more? I think, well, we all know like a few years ago, Nike made the big breakthrough with the, the Dragonflies and that was the shoe that everybody was wearing for the Olympic trials and things like that. Um, the big advantage that the bigger companies have is that they have these 
huge research and development teams that are like years ahead. They're, they're creating new technologies. So, you know, for a little bit there, Brooks was kind of playing catch up just because they don't have quite the budget. But they put the cool thing that we did see is like they knew that they weren't competing in the spikes. And so they put a ton of money into the spike development. They have like a bigger team now. We collab with everything that they do. So it's awesome to see like the company like immediately respond. And now they're making spikes that we've tested and like the statistics on them are amazing. Like they're competitive with any other brand you can think of. Uh, they feel great when we race in them. Like they, you know, for a little bit there, they were playing catch up, but now I think that they're, they've caught up. And I think, you know, they're now thinking of like how to push it even further. And so, you know, I think the spikes across every brand are very good. Um, they definitely help people stay healthier, which is a big thing. And I think why performances are getting a lot better. So uh, it's exciting to be, you know, part of the process of the Brooks uh, spike development and just seeing them continually get better and better. And for you personally, do you have a favorite pair of Brooks running shoes or spikes that you think that everyone should be knowing about? Well, you know, our spikes are still in like the prototype, so we're not, they're not uh, coming out just yet, but they're, they're really good. So the LDs that I'm wearing right now, you'll see me in every race wearing them. They're, uh, they just keep getting better with every iteration. So those should be coming out uh, soon. For training, I wear the Glycerin, which is like our uh, more supportive shoe. In the past, it wasn't necessarily my go-to, but now they've like made it super light. And like, I swear, like that's the most comfortable shoe I've ever worn. I've worn almost every brand at this point. Um, I wear those every day. Everybody on the team wears them. So if you're looking for a new shoe, the Brooks Glycerin is awesome. Brooks, if you're listening, I'd, I'd love a free pair. <laughs> Moving on and looking forward in your career, um, what are some future aspirations you have for yourself in running and how is being a part of the Brooks Beasts um, helping you to work towards those aspirations? Yeah, my well, future is pretty close. Next week, I want to make the world championship team. Uh, I think I've done everything well this is the year, like hit all my workouts. I feel great. Like I was just talking to Dan here right before this podcast that like this is the best I've ever felt this time of the year. So I'm really excited to see how that plays out next week. Obviously, competition in the U.S. is amazing. It just makes me extremely excited to be able to race these guys and just see what happens. However it plays out, it's going to be an amazing U.S. champs. Um, later this summer, just get to some big races, uh, continue getting my world ranking better. Like, I just I went from 190 this year to 43 in the world, so we're improving. I had a pretty rough year last year, so I don't think 190 necessarily uh, you know, was where I should be, but based on my times last year, it's where I was at. So now I'm bringing that down. I want to just get better and better so I can get into faster races and run faster. Uh, you know, the goal is obviously running like 330, 331. Um, you know, joining Josh in some of these big diamond leagues and getting two Brooks guys on the line would be a huge goal for me. Um, and then next year, looking forward to Paris. Um, that's going to be a huge one, 2024, 2025. Like there's always huge championships going on and the goal is just getting faster and more consistent. Yeah, and so on the flip side of the question Miles just asked, when you reflect on how far you've come, did you expect to get this far in running? And what would you tell your high school and college self? What would you tell that Henry Wynn about uh, the Henry Wynn of today? I definitely did not see this coming when I was younger. This is like an a experience that I'm very grateful for. I uh, never planned for it. It's weird how life works out like that. Like I loved running my entire life. Never thought I could be a pro, didn't think I was fast enough. And then all of a sudden I'm in races that I used to watch as a kid. I'm competing against people that I've looked up to my entire life. And so it's uh, it feels pretty unreal. I'm very grateful for the experience. And I would just tell my younger self to just keep going. Uh, I don't regret any really decisions that I made as a kid because it led me here. Um, but I think just enjoy the process was, was the most important part of, that made me um, – successful today you know i liked going to practice in high school i liked going to practice in college i had fun outside i didn't like obsess over running too much um and so it led to just being successful have you thought about what's in store for you um what's next after after it's time to hang up the spikes um you know do you wish to stay close to the sport after your racing days not 100 percent sure honestly uh you know i have a degree from college. I got all that kind of stuff. So maybe I'll use that. You know, I've got, I haven't quite uh, used the degree yet. You know, we're all from different schools and whatever on the team. We always joke about like, it didn't really matter where you went to school, but um, you know, obviously Virginia was a good, a good place to go. And maybe I'll use that. I would love to stay 
close to the sport of running just because it's been my passion for my entire life. It's given me so much. I'd like to give back to it. Um, yeah, I can't say that I have a, a plan just yet, but the people that I've met along the way have been amazing. So I think I've got great connections. I'll kind of figure it out. I'd love to have a job where I can stay active and be outside. I don't, I don't think I'm built for a nine to five and sit behind a desk all day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's still a long way to go, a long career ahead of you. But when we're thinking about that legacy, um, what do you want to leave behind as your legacy on the sport of running? I mean, people say the name Henry Wind. What do you want them to come to mind? I would hope that they would just remember me as a competitor. You know, never given up, always running my hardest. Uh, you know, I don't win every single race that I'm in, but I go out there and I, I give it my all. Uh, I'd love for people to remember my consistency, you know, high school champion, NCAA champion, and hopefully one day a uh, U.S. champion, maybe even further than that. So uh, just that I've, you know, put in the work. I've done everything I can, like just, you know, it's not a very flashy process. You just spend years on end doing it. You show up to practice, you run when it's shitty outside, you run when you don't want to. Uh, and then it comes together in great performances that people remember. So, you know, I think just the consistency part of it and that I gave a mile. Yeah. And to kind of our younger audience here, do you have some words of wisdom or inspiration you want to give high school or college kids looking at your career and who see you as an inspiration? And what do you want them to know about how they can replicate your success in their own lives? I would say, you know, this is, a, this is a lesson that I wish I had learned back in the day, but just don't be afraid to go all in. Um, I, when I was younger, I can't say that I went all in. I messed around a little bit here and there. Like in college, I definitely had a, maybe a too good of a time every once in a while. But I wish that if I had a time machine, I wish I could go back and just give it my all. Because um, you know, when you don't leave anything on the table and you show up to races, you can really be your most confident and get the best out of yourself. So if you want to you know, really see how far you can get in running. I would say, you know, it's cliche, but enjoy the process. You have fun at practice and things like that. You know, going all in doesn't mean you can't have fun, but that, you know, making these sacrifices, you know, that in the moment might feel tough. You know, you don't go to a party here. You don't, you don't get to see your friends here can really lead to performances and outcomes that you'll, uh, you know, cherish the rest of your life. So I wish I had learned that back in the day. And I think anybody listening, you know, don't be afraid to do that. Well, that does it. I mean, those are all the questions we've got for you, Henry. Um, where can people find you on the World Wide Web, on the internet? Any shameless plugs you want to sort of throw out there for our audience? <laughs> you know, just basic, go on Instagram. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a big social media guy, but that's uh, where you can find me. And I would always say, like, to anybody younger who wants to reach out, ask questions, like, not just me, but any pro is always ha happy to help if you have questions, like, send us a dm i used to do that all the time with like pros i remember dming nick simmons questions and things like that so we have a you know like i said a lot of free time and we love to help and we want to see all the younger kids just continue to raise the bar in the u.s well that'll be all from the episode here at the run fast podcast we want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening make sure to leave a five-star review also leave a follow or drop a like or wherever you may be listening online um henry will, will be rooting for you through the heats at usa as we'll be watching um, but we wish you nothing but the best. For sure. Thanks for having me on.